Rod's Logic Podcast today is uh, brought to you by our friends at Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Stores. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Have you guys followed the story of the uh, television reporter in Austin, Minnesota, who got fired? Yes. For wearing the uh, Make America Great hat. The MAGA. MAGA hat. Um, You know, when it's written on a site like Fox News, for example... I get the idea that uh, someone of my uh, political uh, ilk, uh, I guess I'm supposed to be disappointed by this. I'm so, I'm somehow supposed to see uh, an unfairness mm-hmm. in this. No, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. You're a television reporter. Report to me competently, skillfully, thoroughly. I don't give a damn what your politics are. I want to know the story. I don't need to know that you... Have to wear a MAGA hat. So you're, you're. I'm not upset that the guy got canned. I, I don't wish him any ill. I hope he lands on his feet, but. You're saying don't be a dummy and wear a MAGA hat. Well, I don't. Don't be. Don't. Don't wear a. Uh, don't wear any hat that Anything advertises. Because you're supposed to be indifferent. Reporting isn't what he used to be. The guy's name is James Bunner. Uh, he's with the NBC affiliate KTTC TV in Austin. Uh, he was fired Friday, reportedly for wearing a "Make America Great Again" hat while covering Trump's rally in Rochester uh, on Thursday. As the rally got underway, images of Bunner wearing the bright red hat began appearing on Twitter. Uh, okay, Noel. Sutterstrom, the station's news director, told the Star Tribune that the station's policy does not allow staff members to wear apparel from political campaigns while covering stories. Let me stop right there. Okay. I, I agree with that policy. It, it, in, I think it's a wise— I don't even like it when these anchors and anchorettes wear twins hats if they're in the World Series. I knew you were going to bring that it, up. It drives me crazy. Yep. You're not on the team! Don't— and and. I wonder if I'm supposed to think that only only for wearing a Trump hat would it get him fired. In other words, do people want me to believe that mm. uh, if he had worn a Hillary Clinton hat, would he not have been fired? That I don't know. I well, I can't speak for the station. I didn't but know I have Austin to had a. I didn't know Austin had its own NBC affiliate. <laughs> yes, yeah, Chris. Well, I was going to say I I would. B- believe that in today's climate yeah that had he been wearing a hillary clinton hat he would not have lost his job he would not have i don't think he would have oh i think he would have. you do yeah okay. what about one of those female uh kitty cat hats what if it was the hat with the fake breasts on the visor? <laughs> yeah. i would say you're, you're you know what you're good vocals cubs hat yeah. did he did he do that to show his his political views or did he think see here's why this, i would do this Put a mega hat on because you might run into the president. He'll say, love the hat, or you might get the story. Yeah, but he's a reporter. Anything to get the story. Uh, apparently, he had uploaded previously a video of himself appearing to celebrate while dancing in a newsroom on Trump's inauguration day. 
Oh, so he's okay. in your face in it. Me watching the Trump inauguration, he wrote in the description. Sederstrom told BuzzFeed News that Bunner was fired for wearing the hat uh, during Thursday's rally, not because of the political views displayed on his social media pages. Bunner does not have a listed phone number and did not immediately return a social media message seeking comment Friday. It, to me, it's just common sense if you're a reporter that you're not going to wear any political apparel, especially while reporting on a story. Right. right. I mean, that's just common sense. Now, as much as I'm not upset that this guy got fired, yep. you know damn well that if somebody on CNN wore a MAGA hat, they not only would not be fired— it would be seen as uh, their derision for for Trump. It would be seen as uh, they're mocking. They're yeah. having a laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. I, I was unfamiliar with the story too. You brought up was this a younger gentleman? Was he? Well, he, uh, I'm getting to the point where everybody's young. Was it a TV station in Austin? You know, I mean, what? Well, I was just curious. Well, yeah, he looks to be in his 30s, maybe. Okay, late 30s, mid 30s. I I don't know. What am I, a sheriff? I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I can't tell. Wait, guess her at the fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My point being that it's almost a ray of hope that this station is enforcing a policy where they expect they where they expect their employees to be neutral on the site of, of a news story, and that's a huge news story. Trump in southern Minnesota is a huge news story, and I think the guy was uh, uh, silly for thinking he could get away with that. Yeah. Right? In this oh, day and age, it was a pretty stupid idea. Yes. It's all, this day and age doesn't matter. I, how long have you been around news reporters, Joe? Uh, I've been around all news my life. Yeah, me too. And I can't imagine a time when anybody would see that as something they should do as a reporter. That's true. Ever. I mean, I grew up with the whole mantra of no cheering in the press box. Yeah. I, that was, that was Jerome Holtzman's, the title of a Jerome Holtzman book. No cheering in the press box. Remember that book, John? Mm-hmm. Collection of uh, columns. That that was violated once in my life. <laughs> Ooh, I wonder what. Uh, let me think now. What one? It wasn't a Vikings mm. game. No, no. <laughs> Hockey. Yep. And that was when Wayne Gretzky broke a record. No. Olympics, Olympics in 1980. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, duh. I was thinking more North Stars. We had a whole section in the stands. I can still see the guy. David Israel was a friend of mine for the Washington Post. And he stood up and said, gentlemen, there will be cheering in this press box. Nice. Why do we cheer? <laughs> really? That was really fun. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was the one and only time in my life. But that's done. a moment of pretty significant uh, oh, of course. historical. Of course. Know, yeah. I mean, it's not a... Vikings Eagles game, and that was the U.S. team versus the hated commies. Sure, because you remember they had to they had to beat what the Finns to win the gold medal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Take it to your bleeping grave. Uh, the yeah. only one time that I cheered in the press box was at a hockey game. It was a Gopher hockey game, and I had taken my older brother Stephen with me to the game, and we cheered when they scored. And Wonger promptly came over to us, tapped me on the shoulder, and said to both of us. Uh, there's no cheering in the press box. No, but but no cheering in the press box is simply a metaphor uh, that would have that applies to this Bunner guy at the NBC affiliate in Austin as much as it applies to any yeah. buddy sitting covering a Twins game. There's no cheering in the press box. Your role there is to provide the public with information. I don't want to know what you think. I don't care what you think. Right. 
There isn't any cheering in the press box, but uh, as most of us have discovered, when you're with Royce, there's a lot of profanity. <laughs> yes, there has. There's a, we are holding court. Yes. <laughs> the gesture is in. Uh, the fixer, what do you need? How about a story? That's my favorite Royce line in a press box was uh, uh, still at Met Stadium, so it had to be 79 or 80. And the uh, first pitch of the season was thrown out by Lou Wangberg. Anybody know who Lou no, Wangberg? No, that was I think that was Al Quee's uh, lieutenant governor. I think it was his lieutenant governor. <laughs> Royce says Lou Wangberg and stands up and yells as loud as he can. Oh no! The family of Lou Wangberg can relax. He's been found. <laughs> Meaning, who in the hell is this guy? Right. Uh, you are correct. <laughs> Lou was an educator who was the forty-first lieutenant governor of Minnesota. <laughs> yep. Elected on the independent Republican ticket with Governor Al Quee, served from January 79 yep. to January of 83. That was probably the summer of 80, and he Lou threw Wangberg. out the first ball. And uh, <laughs> He has been found. Oh. <laughs> All right. That's a pretty good line. All rats, he said. He, yeah. is, uh, he does work the, he does oh, work yeah. the press box. He likes to work the room. <laughs> oh, I know. Can I get you a cake? Yeah. What are you, Nick Mancini? What? What is this? How come this won't make a noise? Oh, when I pulled I it this? down. Well, why, it. why do you do that? GL Podcast listeners, I want to remind you that you uh, go to any RF Moeller jeweler store during the month of October and say to the friendly staff that you listen to the Garage Logic podcast, you get $250 off the price of any watch priced at $500 or more. Three RF Moeller jeweler stores, uh, Ford in Cleveland and St. Paul, 50th in France in Edina and Gavaday Common in downtown Minneapolis. And I thought of one more thing, John, about ownership. Yes. Mm -hmm. well, maybe this will help. Okay. There is no greater symbol of American freedom than ownership. Mm -hmm. Follow me that far? Sure, certainly. Yep. Okay. Yep. So you take away the ownership, you're taking away the freedom. The larger the government, the smaller the citizen. Once you take away ownership of anything that is currently owned by private individuals in this country— you have reduced freedom. Here, here's John. Okay. okay. Here's John. Are we doing news now? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. was the next thing. I yeah. thought that was the next thing. Let me, yeah. let me, let me uh, punch this off here. Well, hey, while you do that, let's yeah. uh, quick shout out uh, to the GLers that joined us last Friday at the Skinnerd concert. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was right. a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Boy, yeah. and you were right, Height. The guy for Bad Company, what's Paul, his name? Paul God, Rogers. he can sing, man. Great voice. Yeah, he still has it. Always had a great voice, and uh, it's still there. That was a really nice group, though. I hope we Who do was Rogers with besides them? Well, uh, if as you know from the last song they did from their encore, I wouldn't have. Right. <laughs> that was pretty fun. What'd you think of that? They did all the bad, <laughs> bad company hits, and, and uh, I looked at my kid and I said, "If they come back out, you know what they're going to do? Hmm. They're going to do all right now by Free because he was Free's lead singer, okay. and Simon Kirk, the drummer for Bad Company, was Free's drummer. I'll be there. And they came out and they did. All right now. I love that song. Oh, that's a great song. Free was a great band. Yeah. Damn, I Wonderful. wish we could have got down there and have them sign off on using their bumper music for the podcast. Yeah, we'd like you to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they also uh, to uh, posted some stuff online. Uh, they visited Regions Hospital, or not Regions, I'm sorry, uh, Children's Hospital. 
Uh, and Paul Rogers did. There were pictures of him, and they all between the two bands, they contributed twenty thousand dollars. Had a good fundraiser and visited. Uh, yeah, the kids that's who were fantastic. There. But I got news for you: if some of those Leonard Skinner guys showed up at the hospital, it would have terrified the kids. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Who's the thin guy with the bad hair, the long? That's uh, he's the fellow who used to be with a band called Blackfoot. Yeah, uh, his name is. Uh, Boy, I wish I could remember. Uh, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Medlock. I His see. name is Ricky Medlock. Oh, he was. Do you remember Blackfoot in the 70s? Yes. They had a hit called Train Train. Yeah. Uh, Ricky was the singer. Lead, well, God lead bless lead. those fellas for raising the money, but if my kid's in Children's Hospital and Ricky Blacklock came Medlock, along. Ricky Medlock. Ricky <laughs> Medlock. I'd bar the door. I think I had Major Blackfoot in, uh, Did you? in high school. Oh, yeah. no. Did you get it taken care of? Yeah, yeah, Major was, or just regular? Uh, it was it was regular, not major. Right. I would just got it up north. Speaking of online posts and um, and the state of looks, um, how about Kenny in that group picture we took? Oh, she was. Is that posted on Geo Podcast? I put it out on Twitter. Yeah, everybody must look at that. <laughs> the poor guy looks like we woke him up. Yeah, he doesn't like his picture too. No, he no, does not. No, not at all. I did find it a little strange the review in the uh, Star Tribune on Saturday uh, that John Bream did mm-hmm. uh, made absolutely zero mention. A bad company. Yeah, I, just, I, I noticed that. Yeah. Did you think you didn't get there in time? <laughs> I took Kenny to the concert in my secret way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, You crossed the river twice, didn't crossed you? Crossed the river twice to get to the extra miles. Yeah. Oh, he, was, he was a little bitter about that, actually. Yeah. The first thing he told me when he showed up at the yeah. suite, I'm to cross the river twice with Joe. Yeah. If you get a chance, go to the at GL podcast on Twitter <laughs> and is zoom in on Kenny. Is cartoon? Zoom in on Kenny. Or is it the Patrick on the... Um, Patrick on the Segway is the latest uh, GL comic on, but that's at the website, garagelogic.com. Well, what is rookie advertising? The the GL podcast Twitter account where the picture of Kenny lives. All this social media. (laughs) Keeping up. Uh, The Minnesota Department of Natural Resources is confirming a report that zebra mussels have been found in Bidet Makaska. Oh, no. Minneapolis. Bada bing, bada boom, bada boom. That one, yeah. yeah. Formerly known as Lake Calhoun. Yeah. And they change it to what, Rook? Uh, bada bing, bada boom, bada ba. Okay. Mm-hmm. A release said a Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board watercraft inspector contacted the DNR after finding two juvenile zebra mussels on a sailboat being removed from the lake for the season. Uh, they were confirmed in Lake Harriet also immediately downstream in September of last year. The release said the lake is being inspected. Staff are using what they're calling cutting-edge eDNA sampling. Would LD be on this case? I bet. He he already knows about it. He couldn't prevent it, but I'm sure he knows. As of now, zebra mussels have not been reported on any additional boats. Two weeks into early voting, the number of ballots cast in Minnesota is nearly on pace with the early general election turnout of 2016. That, according to the Minnesota Secretary of State's data. Boo hiss. (laughs) In 2016, nearly 700,000 absentee ballots were received prior to Isn't Election Day. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? That's a lot. Vote early, vote off. <laughs> so far this year, about 43,000 votes have already been cast. That is roughly on pace with 2016 at this time. Something and, going on here. I don't like it. Significantly more than the number who voted early in the 2014 midterms when early voting was first. This raises allowed. my hackles. What would you prefer? I don't even know what a hackle is. What is it's that? Raised. <laughs> I'm, and I'm not disagreeing with you, Joe, because I think if you're going to vote, just just do it on election day. Come on. If you can. If I you mean, can. there are some legitimate What reasons. would you prefer? Would you prefer a higher voter turnout or people that just simply voted on election day? I would prefer a turnout of only people who care enough to vote and have made themselves informed. 
you got an apparatus here, a whole industry devoted to shoving ballots in the faces of people who don't know what day it is. And that's disenfranchising informed voters. Don't tell me it's not all by design. So what you're saying is then your vote counts just as much as the guy that lit his hearing aid on fire. Absolutely. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying. The site of a devastating accident that killed two pedestrians and 18 occupants of a limousine headed to a birthday party, including four sisters, is a known danger spot that has long worried locals, according to a manager of the store that sits at the intersection where the accident happened. The intersection had been redone in 2008 because of a fatal accident, said Jessica Kirby. Uh, She's the managing director of the Apple Barrel Country Store and Cafe. Uh, Since the reconstruction, three tractor trailers have run through the same stop sign that authorities said the limo blew through and into a field behind her business. Governor Andrew Cuomo released a statement yesterday saying he has directed state agencies to provide every resource necessary to aid in the investigation. Autopsies are being performed, including on the driver, to see if drugs or alcohol were a factor. Authorities didn't say whether the limo occupants were wearing seatbelts, give the speed of the limo, or speculate what caused the limo to run the stop sign and slam into a parked SUV. Relatives said the limousine was carrying four sisters and friends to a 30th birthday celebration for the youngest. Okay, so the limo contained how many people? Uh, it's 20, I think, altogether, right? Or, uh, let's see. It was, one of those, it was one of those super stretch. Yeah. The Two pedestrians died and 18 correct. people in the limo. That's correct. I, I wonder how they died because the pictures of the limo do not show it catastrophically destroyed. But if they weren't belted in. That's what I'm thinking. They yeah. bounce around in there. And there were reports, uh, some folks said they thought the limo was doing about 60 still when it, uh. Came through and hit the SUV. So, yeah. It, was it a 30 a, zone? High impact. Yeah. It was, yeah. Because yeah. it was residential. Street. Well, there's a stop sign, actually. Yeah. That, that you shouldn't have blown through. What was the other part, too, about there was, a, there was some, somebody that suggested there was a defect with the limo. It shouldn't even have been on the road. Uh, there was, uh, there was a tweet from, uh, not a tweet, but a message from one of the passengers who ended up being killed, apparently to a relative that said it uh, was not in very good shape, but didn't indicate what was wrong oh, with God. it. So, anyway. I don't like the concept. No. no. Tropic- I was in one once, a stretch limo once. What time never, of year? Christmas. I'll never uh, never go in one again. Is that when you were trying to look at decorations? Yeah. We, what, Christmas <laughs> late. With the bad defrost system? That's when I realized people have a real theme problem. <laughs> you know. How close to the door were you? I had my face pressed to a window. <laughs> no, my point is you had, you had the, the nearest seat to the exit, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. right. I, I got here. I'll, uh, let, me, let me man this. I got yeah. this one And right then here. the thing had no defroster, so it was looking like you might as well have been sitting in a pickle jar trying to look out the <laughs> glass. Uh, you had another when you were observing. Where did you go? Is it Sears Tower on a foggy day? Yeah. Didn't you guys go up there on a foggy day, your family? Yeah, it cost me a couple hundred bucks, and you didn't see anything. Why Why would we have gone up there in the fog? I, I, don't, I don't understand. I that. don't know. Maybe they thought you were going to be above the clouds. Never doing that again either. Nope. How nope. about the, the addition they made where you can now walk out no. onto the glass nope. platform? Oh, I'm getting no. the stomach. How can, no. how can no. people no. do no. that? No. Have you seen the prank in China, I think it is? No. Where they have the glass, <laughs> <Yes>. and <laughs> people are out there, and the glass, it's, it's an illusion— it starts to break. Oh my God! It starts to crack. Oh my and God! And people, people jump for yeah, the railing. Story, John. Quick, yes, I'm it's, dying it's here. Hilarious. It's hilarious. Oh yeah, that's real funny. Yeah. <laughs> Several people were evaluated at a church in Grapevine, Texas, after a quote sticky substance was found on money given as an offering at the church. 
Authorities responded to Fellowship Church Sunday afternoon. Several people fell ill after counting offerings. Crews on the scene said the money felt sticky. At least one person went to the hospital on their own accord. The church employee was released from the hospital with no issues. Grapevine Fire Chief said hazmat teams were called in as a precaution. Fire Chief Darrell Brown said they suited up, tested the room, and the money in the envelope. Brown said the incident was isolated. No reason for concern. Are you watching the video, oh Reavers? Oh, it's ridiculous. This You've never seen this. I've never huh? seen that. Oh, it's just I you can't clinging see, to the guard. It's right? a glass walkway. I, I have the elevator stomach right now. I can't stand it. But there's an old man walking as it cracks, and he just he just goes down. He's like, no, it's over for me. Oh, oh I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Really not that tough, you know. Yeah. But it's the reaction. It's horrible. The one guy, I think well, he horrible. messes his pants. Yeah. I would. <laughs> former first daughter Barbara Bush tied the knot on Sunday in Kennebunkport, Maine. The daughter of former President George W. Bush, Laura Bush, wed screenwriter Craig Coyne. Former President Bush walked his daughter down the aisle at the family's Walker Point compound where the family often vacations. The bride's grandfather, former President George H.W. Bush, also was in attendance. The former President George W. Bush shared a photo from the wedding on Instagram, sharing a shot of him walking his daughter down the aisle. H.W. just doesn't want to go yet, does he? Not going away. See, right here. Right. Stay. That's what I tell my dog when I want him to remain in the same location. I get it. Stay. Yep. Uh, Facebook. is like, You'll like this one, Joe. Given you know, com- I probably won't. Given conversations earlier today, Facebook is launching the first electronic device to bear its brand, a screen, and a camera-equipped gadget intended to make video calls in your home easier and more intuitive. Sure. Sure. It's unclear, though, if people would open their homes to an Internet-connected camera sold by a company that so far has a questionable track record on protecting user privacy. What, what is wrong with people? Facebook is marketing the device called Portal as a way for its more than 2 billion users to chat with one another without having to fuss with positioning and other controls. Yeah, this won't lead to the creeps being... <laughs> I better watch myself. Yeah. The device features a camera that uses artificial intelligence to automatically zoom as people move around during the calls. Hey, is your mom and dad home? Right. Turn on your webcam. <laughs> well, that's exactly who's going to use this. Yeah, yeah. Since Echo's release nearly four years ago, both Google and Apple have followed Amazon in releasing smart speakers designed for use with other digital services. Go in your sister's room. Portal represents... Uh, he's in the closet. Check the closet. <laughs> Portal represents Facebook's entry into that fray, pointing an artificially intelligent camera to people's homes. Though I don't want anything to do with the word portal. Could raise right. other... You might not be able to get back, right? That's right. Yep. How Next about, thing you know, you're going to be pictured on the U.K. sun holding what appears yeah. to be a cell phone in 1943. <laughs> in the middle of the war, and you right. won't know what happened. Right. How you got there. University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. Well, you all know what windmilling is. Mm. Yes, we do. But then there's also the ultimate windmilling. There's always like major dengue. There's ultimate windmilling. As the world begins its large-scale transition toward low-carbon energy sources, it is vital that the pros and cons of each type are well understood and the environmental impacts of renewable energy, small as they may be in comparison to coal and gas, are considered. In two papers published in the journals Environment, Environmental Research Letters and Joule, J-O-U-L-E, Harvard 
university researchers, find that the transition to wind or solar in the U.S. would require 5 to 20 times more land than previously thought. <laughs> and if such a large-scale wind farms were built, they would warm average surface temperatures over the continental United States by 0.24 degrees Celsius. <laughs> so windmills cause windmilling. Windmills <laughs> cause wind... Windmills themselves are causing uh, environmental degradation. Uh, we, we have been brainwashed into believing as a society that we can't use uh, carbon-based fossil fuels. Uh, and so we got to go to wind and we got to go to sun and solar and this. And that. Well, it turns out that the, uh, the environmental impact of uh, windmills is uh, more trouble than it's worth. And they're not, they're not really efficient from what I understand. Mm -hmm. So that's another one. In 2013 research, uh, we learned how each wind turbine creates a wind shadow behind it where the air has been slowed down by the turbine's blades. Today, commercial-scale wind farms carefully space turbines to reduce the impact of these wind shadows. But given the expectation that wind farms will continue to expand as demand for wind-derived electricity increases, interactions and associated climactic impacts cannot be avoided. Hmm. There's a windmill on 169. Yes. Uh, I think, where is it? It's either before Princeton or after Princeton. There's a windmill on 169 yep. between uh, Elk River and, and Mille Lacs. And I've driven by it a hundred times. What do you think? It couldn't power a toaster. <laughs> I've never seen it turning. <laughs> it really, I mean, it really has to be. Windy for it to turn, correct? It's a massive, massive windmill. And I don't think you could get a toaster going with that thing. I've, I've, I've a, driven by it on windy days. I don't know what the point of it is. I think, well, I think the one that's at McAllister on the McAllister grounds is always running, but that's electric. That's an electric windmill. <laughs> Another reason. Thanks, Johnny. I appreciate that. An electric windmill? Yeah. It, can that? Can you get that? Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, it would be it would be irony that McAllister would always want their windmill going, so they just plug it in, so it always looks like they're you know manufacturing electricity. They take that, won't they? Yeah, make it, make it well, make it way. Name me three famous Mickey's. What you got? Mickey Mantle. Yep. Uh, Mickey Rooney. Yep. Mickey Way. They take yeah, that one, got, won't they? Yeah, we got that. <laughs> Another reason I don't watch late night television anymore, and I. Boy, how times have changed with late-night TV. It used to like be a must-watch. It's, it's pretty unwatchable. Well, it's, it's yeah. worse than you think. The writer for Stephen Colbert's Late Show celebrated on Twitter Saturday that she was glad we at least ruined Bart Kavanaugh's life. In a social media posting on Saturday, a writing for the uh, Late Show uh, said, Whatever happens, I'm just glad we ruined Brett Kavanaugh's life, the writer Ariel Dumas wrote on Twitter. She's a bad got, person, isn't she? Yeah, I think his life got a little bit better on Saturday when he was sworn in. Well, she's saying now that's what she meant, that it was sarcasm. His life is better. I don't like Oh, okay. Oh, no, sure. No, no. They're... She said, I'm just glad we ruined Brett Kavanaugh's life. Right. So as sarcasm. No, no, John. I'll finish the story. <laughs> okay. And then we'll decide yeah. if it was sarcasm. I think okay. she's backpedaling. Put some Her comments, yeah, oh, I agree, yeah. Uh, you know what he said when he was confirmed? What did he say? It's Miller time. <laughs> See, <he> was, <laughs> <laughs> Her comments immediately generated backlash. She responded by locking her account, meaning her posts were no longer public and only those following her could view her tweets. Uh, 
Uh, Dumas's tweet came several hours after the Senate confirmed Kavanaugh as the newest associate justice for the Supreme Court. Uh, after widespread outrage, Dumas deleted her tweet, but alas, the Internet is forever. She later posted an apology blaming her tweet on the complexity of frustration, anger, and sadness while characterizing the tone as an attempt at sarcasm. Now, you're not a clever enough person to attempt no, sarcasm. You're, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. The last couple of weeks have been hard for the country and for me personally. Oh, God. The complexity, of, the complexity of frustration, anger, and sadness can't be accurately conveyed on Twitter, and I regret my tone-deaf attempt at sarcasm in the wake of it. You weren't attempting sarcasm, you moron. You were wishing him, you were you were happy that his life was destroyed. But what right. I find hilarious is they, they think there are no repercussions from saying stuff like this. Well. Like uh, this clown. CBS, which hosts uh, Colbert's show, confirmed Dumas is a writer for the network. A spokesman said Dumas' apology speaks for itself. So uh, she probably won't get canned. Of course not. What a piece of. She's in the club. <sighs> She's in the club. Yeah. And the club tells you what you have to think. Yep. And so with the club members, that was a fine statement for her to make. Yeah, she was okay. That checked out. Yeah, that, was, that was okay that to, was to, to fire that one away. I just don't understand. You know, you got protesters clawing at the doors of the Supreme Court over the weekend. Uh, uh, what? Pounding to get in and tear the place down and whatever. So you want to live in a country, you idiots, where uh, you can be presumed guilty instead of being presumed innocent. Um. Which, the center is not holding. Which, when they get arrested for trespassing, they will want to implement just <laughs> exactly that. Mm-hmm. I'm innocent until proven guilty. But see, what there's a larger way to look at this uh, woman's tweet, uh, which was, uh, whatever happens, I'm just glad we ruined Brett Kavanaugh's life. Okay, and she's a writer for the Stephen Colbert Show. Well, you know then that that's... Generally speaking, just the attitude of the staff of that show. Right. Those are the kind of one-liners you're going to get. There's nobody There's nobody on the staff that had uh, civility or decorum. Nobody on the staff that was thinking, wait a minute, you, we can't call this guy guilty without any proof of anything. <laughs> and, and they believe that Blasey Ford got to tell her truth. Well, there's no such thing as your truth. There's right. only truth. Right. Your truth is irrefutable. I mean, it's refutable. Because there was truth is irrefutable. But I don't. I bet it's. It was no different on the staffs of uh, Kimmel and Fallon and Colbert. None of these people to strike me as entertaining. When Jay, they're bitter ideologues. When Jay Leno did jokes, I thought it was uh, uh, funny. When Letterman at later on in his career. It wasn't funny. It was mean spirited. Yeah, yep. I think with Colbert, mean spirited. Uh, I, I don't get the. You know, Johnny Carson did jokes. They were funny. He wasn't in the club. Carson wasn't in the club. You didn't know what his politics were. You didn't know. And, and most of the guests who he had, you didn't know because that wasn't what was driving their appearances. And there's also, the, there's just now a social pressure to fall in line. The what, What's his name? Jimmy Fallon is is prime example of that. His ratings were dipping, so then all of a sudden he started going anti-Trump because he had to get back in the race. Yeah. What's interesting about it, I've been watching a lot of Carson reruns at 1030. Yeah. Uh, he, whoever was president gets it at the time. You know what I mean? There was no political stripe to it. If it was Gerald Ford, he went after Ford. 
If it was Jimmy Carter, did, but but he just would have been explained going after. Well, making jokes about their uh, ineptitude. But they were jokes. Oh, they were definitely jokes. Part of the monologue, yes. This is calling. And, we've had these these people, these professors at Georgetown, calling for death. Yeah. This woman calling for ruined. happy that she's ruined somebody's life. Yeah. We had. That's a, not what you heard from Carson. No, it, it was a joke about you know whatever during Reagan's era. You know he might make a joke about perhaps Reagan was senile that kind of thing. Uh, when it was Jimmy Carter, it was that he wasn't. Smart enough to be, you know what I mean. They I know exactly what you mean. Remember jokes. the remember the mileage Chevy Chase got out of uh, yes. Ford once bumping his head on a plane, yeah. right? Once, yeah. And, and they, t- they turned Ford into this bumbling uh, idiot. When in the truth, uh, if I remember Ford correctly, was he was a pretty good athlete. Yeah, he was. I think a very football? good college football player. Yeah. Good golfer. golfer. Michigan. Yep. Yeah. That's not the same. No, it's just not the same. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing that would cause me to watch these people, and the guests they have on are all in the club. Right, you have to be. Uh, you got to be in the club right. to even be on these shows, and to be in the club means you're going to be told what to think, and you accept that. Well, and it's another example of that. You know, the 23 or 25 year old, when we were watching Letterman and going, ah ha ha, he is hilarious mm-hmm. at 25. That's not there for that. It's not an option for that 25 year old anymore. These hey, network shows are on, but they're not being watched. Uh, just a heads up, we have Author's Corner this week. Uh, the Thursday podcast uh, will feature John Camp, who's going to be in town. His new book is a new Virgil Flowers uh, book. It's called Holy Ghost. I believe it's, uh, that it shows up in stores tomorrow. Oh, okay. And, uh, but will uh, John will be part of the Thursday uh, podcast. Beautiful. All right. Thank you. Good. Sure. Ownership. Ownership. You own it. You drive it. You will own that book. <laughs> All right. Camp. Well, you already do. Up. You see? <laughs> GarageLogic.com. Don't forget to rate us at Apple iTunes. Thank you for listening to the Garage Logic Podcast. Spread the news, spread the word, and check out some of Greg Holcomb's fine creations right at our website, GarageLogic.com, and you will find so much more. Thanks for sticking with us. We love that you listen to this podcast on your time. Check it out. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>